to Next in Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, how are you today? I'm great. Um, have a good weekend? I did. had a great weekend. Yeah. Well, I, I just I have a question for you. Okay. There's a popular uh, event, musical, going on called Hamilton. Have you yes. ever heard of it? I have heard of it. Get out. You have not. I have, I promise. From me. I have some friends that have just really freaked out about it. Well, I understand the whole freaking out about it because yep. it is amazing. Well, I, I know that you're going to give me a lot of grief for this. I've not seen it yet, but I <laughs> There's fully just intend, no excuse for I that. I tend to. I don't, get, I don't get out much, Julie, okay. I promise. I try. <laughs> just well, the like. music is great. The play is even better. You understand the music when you see the play, but it is so profound and so deep and is so amazing. And today our guest is loves Hamilton also uh-huh. and because it's tied to social studies. Oh, uh, nice segue, Julie. <laughs> you like that? I'm impressed. I like social studies too. Even though I'm a STEM person, yeah. science, technology, engineering, and math, I love social studies. Social studies is life. It's about life. Very good. So, leading into that, then, yes. we have our, our guest, guest today, Marcy Hines. Hi. Welcome. You like Hamilton, too, huh? A little obsessed. <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. I yeah. just thought that, you know, and Joe really needs to see it because there's so will, many promise, things about it. It's now, it's moving up on the list because you just hassled yeah, me about and it. I, so. and I'm, oh, yeah. I'd love to hassle you about it. And I'm sure I didn't do it justice either in, in the opening, but I, I highly recommend it. To learn about a lot of things. Nice. Well, Marcy, would you like to, maybe before we jump into Hamilton, let's back up just a little <laughs> right. bit. So, Marcy, you, you. Are, you are a high school teacher Absolutely. here in Mobile County, mm-hmm. and your focus is civics and social studies? Or is uh, it- social studies, I, I currently teach, uh, actually local history, teach mobile history. Okay. Um, I teach uh, U.S. history, 10, which is the beginnings all the way to the second industrial revolution. And then I also teach AP Psych. So social studies across the board, um, I teach the whole gambit. Nice. And I teach a class called Study of Popular Music in America as well. But that's interesting. It is. Well, uh, Joe? Yeah. I think like you would that. like Did you know about, about that? that? Well, well no, I'm not currently that. teaching that class. That's a that's that a product is... of Dr. St. Holy. So Okay. Yeah. Well, nice. That came out of USA. But popular music is such a part of our history. And that's what's right? so much fun about that course. Yeah, because I get to integrate US history at the same time mm-hmm. integrating that music history and they make those connections. But yes, I think music defines our decades and defines our and our history is, or our music's defined by our history. Right. So, yes. absolutely, it, it yes. goes both ways. Yeah. Like Hamilton. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's back up a little bit and talk to us about how you got into education. What's your story? Well, I fell in love with history first. And I fell in love with history at a very young age, at the age of five. That's young. Um, it is. It is. <laughs> um, my mom and my grandmother, who were two of my biggest influences in my life, when it comes to education and history, they took me on a family vacation, went to Williamsburg, Virginia. And I had one of those like Disney World moments in Colonial Williamsburg. These people were walking around in these costumes and, you know, these beautiful old houses. And I'm like, this is fascinating. Like, I'd never been, I hadn't been to Disney World or anything like that, but I can imagine that's what someone would feel like seeing a princess. I know mm-hmm. that sounds weird to some, but for me, it was one of those aha moments. And I fell in love with history. My grandmother would take me out to places. And I fell in love with history, and I was like, this would be amazing to get to tell the stories. 
And so very early on, I think I was in elementary school, I'd made the decision, I want to teach history. And I had, from that point forward, great history teachers that inspired me, and that's what drove me to wanted to go into education. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's a fascinating story. Yeah. I, I get that with Williamsburg. I've been myself, but at five, that's impressive. I have very, and we also went to Washington, D.C., too, so mm-hmm. I can remember seeing on the, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, being at the Capitol, and using a Hamilton reference, being in the room where it happened almost, right. And, right. and having that feel for it. So it, it began very early for me. Like, there's no other way to describe <laughs> it. Yeah, that's great. That's, you know, uh, that's think, great to find your calling that young. Yeah, because yeah, some of the some of the teachers that we've interviewed, you know, they've said they knew, like even um, Jackie Ziegler said she knew at a very very young age she wanted to be a teacher, but I don't know that we've had anybody said that you know they already know what subject they mm-hmm. want to teach, right, which right, is pretty cool. Right, that's yeah. very cool. So that led you uh, high school, obviously, and then where did you go to to college? Well, that's where my path kind of goes around a little bit. Um, so I have an interesting story in the sense that I didn't start teaching until I was 29. So I've been, I'm in my 10th year of teaching this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, after high school, went to Jacksonville State for a year. Um, they have a great education department there and I had friends of mine. I was in band and I wanted to be a marching Southern. I want, there was a whole litany of reasons I went to Jacksonville State and just financial reasons I came home. Parents couldn't, it just couldn't afford to stay up there and I came home and life kind of happened. I got a job working in the car business, um, and I was trying to save money to get a car and go back, you know, go back to school, and I met my husband, and I, I fell into the car business, and I really kind of loved that, but I knew that I wanted to go back to school, and it was December of 2006, my older sister is a teacher as well, and she was graduating through a master's from South, and I remember being at her graduation, and I looked at my mom at the time, I said, I should have done this a long time ago. And so I was working in the car. I worked for Joe Bullard Automotive. Uh, and I went to Mr. Bullard and I said, look, I said, I love it here, but I want to go back to school. And I said, I know that's going to be very hard to kind of work full time and, and go to school. And he said, we'll work with you um, through that process. And they did nice. um, the whole way through. And they were very supportive the whole time when I was uh, going through student teaching. They worked with me there. That's great. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back to school when I was 25 and I graduated when I was 29. Well, that's great. Yeah. It's never too late. No. It was always oh, just no. the right time. No. Because it was 2006 when I got into education, and uh, I was a little bit older than yeah, 29. Yeah, I was 38. I <laughs> I started, so, so. <laughs> like, all of us went, went into it a little bit yeah, later. So, yeah. so let me ask you this before we move on, because uh, we've had some of our guests have shared that they've done things prior to education. Do you think that – do you see any – connections from the things you learned at Joe Bullard uh, that have helped you uh, be a better teacher in the classroom? I think being around people helped. Mm-hmm. Um, being in the real world and I don't, not to say that being in school is not being in the real world, but being in the business field and having to be face-to-face with people all the time, it, I learned how to be a good people person. And I think that a good teacher has to be a good people person. Absolutely. You have to build relationships mm-hmm. and I built great relationships there. Actually, you know, we still, my husband actually still works for Joe Buller, but we have friends of ours that we had great customers we had great relationships with. Um, and I was able to get to know how to, I guess, deal, because we, we, we have to deal with parents as well. With, right. as, customer as, service. And, and is that's maybe huge that's part, part of customer teaching. service. Yes. Absolutely. Being yes. able, you know, um, it's to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked reception and I worked in customer service in the back um, in service. And, Right. That's, our customer service as a teacher yeah. is are our, our, our parents, 
and how you communicate with mm-hmm. them, and you have to know how to communicate them. Absolutely. Put out fires before they get started. Absolutely. Kind of right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew there. I knew there was something there. Oh that yeah. Would, that and would time help. management, <laughs> I would think. Time management. Oh yeah. And you know, just just all of those things can really help. You know, when you come into the classroom. And I, I, and I'll be honest. I think I felt better being an older teacher too, going into the field. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that has nothing to really work in there, but it was, you know, being a little bit older, I, I, I can't imagine being 22 years old coming out into the classroom because I didn't have that experience. And I know teacher, and there's students that are graduating just in a few weeks that'll be in that position. But uh, having some life experience before going in the classroom, I think that helped a lot as well. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And especially for high school, I mean, 22-year-old teachers not much older than... No. Seniors, and that's a little awkward, I think. Yeah, and it, and a lot of, and I've seen that with student teachers that the, the students kind of look they're not much older than me, mm-hmm. and there's not the respect levels not quite there as it would be with someone that's a little, a little bit more older. gap. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a little more gap. So, you've been teaching for ten years. Has it been at the same school? I've been at Baker years? since day one. About that, absolutely. That's great. Okay, so um, let's get in a little bit with. Uh, some of the awards because you've got you've, you've done a lot of stuff over 10 years I'm just going to say in looking at your resume there's quite a few things that you have done which one would you like to start with I'd uh, probably my James Madison fellowship okay that's that's been the one that was probably the hardest one to achieve because it took a lot of work and those of you, if you're not familiar with the James Madison Foundation, uh, it was created back in the early 90s by the executive branch of the United States government as a means of providing education to, or additional education to teachers to become better teachers of the Constitution. And I'd already started my master's in history at Spring Hill because I have a master's in MLA in history from Spring Hill and love my time at Spring Hill Um And I didn't know about this program, and it all kind of comes full circle to actually this past weekend, because uh, November 2015, I went to the National Conference for the Social Studies. I'd never been before. It was in New Orleans, and our principal paid for us to go over there, because, you know, it's not cheap to go to these conferences. Mm -hmm. And so he paid for us to go, and it kind of opened my world up to a whole group of PD opportunities that I didn't know were there. Right. And at that time, I was actually my next last semester finishing my, my master's at Spring Hill. And I went to the booth of the James Madison Foundation. And I'm like, oh, we'll pay $24,000 for you to go back to school to get a master's in constitutional studies. I was like, dang it, I just, I'm almost <laughs> done. And I was like, well, could I go back for another one? And they said, yeah, apply. And they used to actually have a restriction where you couldn't do it if you have a master's within five years, you have to wait. But they actually pulled that restriction to get more people to, to go back for this, um, this fellowship and in 2018, I made the decision. I said, I'm going to apply for this fellowship. I was out of school for two years with the first master's. And there's a reason that I wanted to get this master's, and I'll, I'll tell you why. But um, after having the master's in history, and it was a long process. It's a very long process of multiple different essays that you have to write to say why. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to get a, become a master of the Constitution of the United States? Um, why do you want to pursue this, and what can you do with this? What is your plans with this degree? Because twenty four thousand dollars is a lot of money. That's a lot of money, and yeah. that's a full that's a good you know, chunk of change. Absolutely, and um, but also a, a major perk of the Madison Foundation and, and being named a Madison Fellow is this summer I'll spend a month in D.C. at Georgetown, and two of my graduate classes that I'll receive for this master's that I'm receiving now will come from Georgetown. 
and I'll spend a month at Georgetown working with historians um, like James S. Woods, who's one of the, the leaders in the American Revolution as far as active historians. I'll be getting to do stuff like that that I would never do. So you're in of. the process of that now? I will do that in this, well, I'm supposed to do it this past summer, but COVID pushed right, us back. Right, right, right. And that was, it was a very big achievement for me because it was a long, complicated process. I mean, letters or recommendations, you know, Madison Fellows recommended me. Um, it was a lot. And they pick one every year from each state. And in 2019, oh, it was well me. That, yes, that's and, fabulous. So Congratulations on that. I understand that level of it. You put your heart and soul in I to did. get that. And I, I probably worked on that application. I started it in probably November, October, November of 18. And it had to be submitted, I think, April the 1st of right. 2019. Wow. So I spent a good five months on that application. Well, I just think that pursuing that application and loving what you're doing, mm-hmm. it just shows your passion and your love for learning more. You yeah. know, there's always something else you can get out of it. And it's opened a lot of doors. Opened so a lot of doors. So that's been a great thing about it. It's it's opened up a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. for me as well. That's fabulous. There's yeah. so many things out there teachers don't even know about. Right, yeah. And that and that circles back around to NCSS because that's such a great program. And, you know, conferences, a lot of times people kind of shake conferences off as like, it's the same kind of boring PD stuff. No, mm-hmm. there are so many opportunities out there that are available to teachers if they would pursue or you know look into them if you stay in your bubble that's all you're going to see exactly Mm -hmm. exactly i bet you have just learned or just found so many people to network with across the country oh i have a whole network of teachers absolutely in the past five years that i've i've created and developed and we kind of watch out for each other hey do you have this can can you borrow can we lend lend this to me right what do you have for this and it makes my job a little bit easier Yeah. yeah i love that i love that you you're talking about the the relevance of the pd because I think so many teachers aren't, aren't aware of the kinds of things that are out mm-hmm. there. And, and sometimes there is funding available to help pay for you to go to those kinds of Absolutely. conferences. I know for me personally, conferences that I have attended have opened up opportunities around the country for me as mm-hmm. well as internationally. So, I mean, you just never know what kinds of connections you're going to make when you to be in a situation where you are around like minded people. Oh, yeah. To, like to go to the, one of those conferences and be around everybody that loves history and is oh, yeah. teaching That's history. Exciting. I mean, you're just among your people, right? Yeah, it's kind of a nerd fest for us. That's what I think <laughs> about it. It just all was relevant. It's kind of funny it's coming up now because it all popped up. It was this weekend five years ago that we did this. Oh, okay. And I got to meet – I'm, I'm a PBS nerd. I love PBS. I've watched PBS since I was a kid, and I love Rick Steves Europe. I don't know if y'all are familiar oh, with that Oh, my show. mother loves Rick Steves. I just have to give props to her for that. Yeah. yeah she's. I have a bit of a – and I, yeah. he was the keynote speaker this past year when I got to go to NCSS. It was – um and I'm blanking on his name, I apologize, but President Obama's official photographer mm-hmm. and getting to sit in on his, it, it gives me chills. Like, cause I'm a look, that's when we talk about the history, the presidency is my, one of my favorites. Yeah, so that's... yeah. And it's the doors that it open, the people that you get to meet. Um, it's amazing. I wish that more educators would take advantage of those opportunities. Right. right. So I'm curious, you, you had to write a lot of essays of why you wanted to extend your learning and why you wanted mm-hmm. to to focus in on the Constitution, can you give us a, a brief? Why did you want to do that? I've, American history is my passion. And the Constitution is the foundation of, of our history when it comes to the, you know, the early republic forward. Of course, we talk about the early history of the colonial period. That's what gets us to that. But we're a very unique nation. And our democracy, well, our, 
and that's where a lot of people get confused. We are a democratic republic, but our democracy and what we're allowed to do is very unique um, around the world. And sadly, I've seen, and a lot of educators, educators in social studies have seen a big decline in social studies education, especially in the Constitution and considering recent events um, with the past president, a couple presidential elections, and just the state that our country is in and this divide that we seem to be in, that was one of the big draws for me is helping this next generation of voters understand how our government works and how they're a part of it. And really, they are the government. Yeah, I think I think a yeah. lot of a lot of things have brought your job mm-hmm. to the forefront. Absolutely, to being very very important. And that that's one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about because. Over the last, I don't know how many years, the state testing has tended to focus on language arts mm-hmm. and mathematics. And, and Julie and I were just talking about this before we started the broadcast, was that even science has gotten a big push with STEM and that kind of thing. Yeah. But what tends to happen when there's so much emphasis, especially like in the elementary grades, when there's so much emphasis on reading and math, social studies and science take a back seat. Absolutely. And and so I wanted to get your thoughts about that, and you kind of touched on it already, if we've got yeah. a generation that seems to be lacking in the knowledge of, of our government. Absolutely. And it's sad because it's a, it has been pushed in the back burner so much in, in education over the past probably 20 years. Um, well, if we don't it's, bring it's, it forward, yeah. why do we need to Absolutely. learn to read? Absolutely. Well, and <laughs> we're not going to read what we need to learn about. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's there needs to be a bigger push, and there needs to be better a bigger push in the quality of the social studies education's there. Mm-hmm. But getting more people interested in it and wanted to go into it because they really love that mm-hmm. field. And I think that that's what separates, and sadly, a good educator from a bad educator is their love and their wanting to continue to love what they do. And I think sometimes social studies gets pushed to the back burner as a throwaway subject, unfortunately, and it just doesn't get the love that it deserves. And so that's one thing. It's and I had I was very fortunate. I've I've, I've talked to a lot of people, friends of mine that are my age. That was like I didn't have a very good social studies teacher. Mm-hmm. They just weren't into it, or it just wasn't very interesting. They didn't make the effort. I had great history teachers. You're a passionate great teacher. Teachers, yeah. And that passion goes forward for your students. Absolutely. You love it. They're gonna love it. Yeah. And you show that you love it, then they will. And that's the biggest thing for me, I think, because I hear so many complaints. I hated my social studies, or I hated my history. It was boring. Well, somebody obviously wasn't doing it Somebody right. needs to make it not boring. Because when you talk about Hamilton, it depends on how it's delivered. Look at the sensation that that one, one man has made. Right. Um, because they made it relevant. Made, and that's yeah, a big so part let's, of it. Let's get into that. Yeah. Let's talk about your background with Hamilton, mm-hmm. not just as a fan, uh, but as someone who's actually involved with it on the educational side. Absolutely. In 2000, well, just this past year, um, Gilder Learman Institute of American History put out a program called the Hamilton Ed Program. So they're working with Lin-Manuel Miranda, who created um, the musical, actually, and even Ron Chernell, who wrote the biography of Hamilton, the massive biography of Hamilton that inspired the, um, of course, musical. They put out a program um, called Hamilton Ed, where they're trying to encourage students to look through primary documents and basically do what Lin-Manuel Miranda did. Take a topic in American history using primary documents and secondary sources and create a creative piece. Um, We have a lot of kids that get real bored with the same kind of um, 
assessments or projects in certain strategies. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's allowing them to use one of their other intelligences. You know, I've got a lot of music kids. We have a lot of very creative kids and sometimes they get stuck in the same type of activity. And that's what Hamilton Ed does is allow them to be creative. That's wonderful. It is. It's, it's amazing. Well, and you also mentioned, you said, you said the, the, Foundation. Mm-hmm. I can't. I forgot the name of the Gear- Gilder Learman. Thank you, Gilder mm-hmm. Learman. Okay, tell us about that because you've recently had some. Yes, uh, the Gilder Learman Institute of American History. They um, was it was started about twenty five years ago as an um, institution to help promote the study of American history and really promote those programs and bring kind of history to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, I found out that was another one of the going to NCSS finding out about Gilder Learman. And yes, fortunately, they've been well. What very she's good not saying is that yeah. she won the 2020 State Award for Teacher of the Year for I Social did. Studies, I and did. that's what she's not saying. Yeah, and uh, so congratulations on Thank that, you. and top 12 in the nation. That's right. So I guess the state people go to a national level. They do. Um, mm-hmm. And how it works is, I was actually what is so amazing about it for me is that I was nominated by one of my fellow educators. Oh yeah. So actually, one of my coworkers, uh, Chris Roberts, to give a shout out to Chris, um, he actually nominated me for this award, and I found out last December that he had nominated me. Now I had to put forth the effort. Um, I, there were I had to submit to them my resume, of course. I had to submit to them a teaching philosophy mm-hmm. um, about why I want to teach American history and what that means to me. What is it? What does American history look like in my classroom? So I submitted that letters of recommendation, Dr. Santoli, who's been, I, and I have to plug her because she's been, she's been my lady since the beginning. Since I started undergrad at South, she's always been my, and she's still my mentor to this day. Well, and I, I do have to say um, about Dr. Santoli, she was my ninth grade history teacher. Was she really? She oh, sure really? was. And at the time, she wasn't Dr. Santoli. Um, Santoli was my basketball coach. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, and I was actually in the room with her right before she began her very last face-to-face class because wow. she's retiring this year. So I, I got to be in the room with her when she was hanging up posters around the room for her very last yeah. face-to-face well, What a great class. legacy I'm in the room with. I'm going to have to meet her. Oh, <laughs> she's yeah, fantastic. She's, she's an, an amazing human. She really is. That's great. And she was one of the, she she wrote, uh, of course, one of my letters of recommendation for that. So with Gilder, it was, it was I had to put the work in. Um, and I did. In, in July, they I got an email and they said, you've been selected as the state. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I like, I was mind blown, of course. Um, and it, it hit me real, like, people, I started getting all this, these congratulate. I'm like, oh, this is a bigger deal than I guess I thought. I don't, I didn't know how to take it. I'm, you know, because um, I didn't expect to get it by any means, because um, there's a lot of great educators across the state. And then I get the email about being in the top 12, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's you know, amazing. wow. And the gentleman that won it, it has, the finalist was announced in September, and he was in this was what was kind of, the, I was a little bummed because Lin-Manuel Miranda presented, who created oh, Hamilton, no. presented his award to him. And I'm like, oh. But he didn't actually get to meet him because of COVID. Because of COVID. So but, um, all right. You'll have another opportunity somewhere, yeah. someday. Hopefully. Sure. Hopefully. So, in, in talking about the pilot program with, mm-hmm. with Hamilton Education, is that, so you, you got some materials or you kind of helped create some things or how is that looking in your classroom Well, doing that? That was actually, uh, they had already created all of the material and the Hamilton Ed website is fantastic. They have a, a great website where um, 
basically everything you need to create the project for the students to create the project. It's there. It is up and ready to go. There's videos from uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda talking about the process of how he did this from Ron Chernell, who wrote the biography. It's uh, it's very comprehensive, and they actually sent us um, all of the, the learning materials that we needed, a beautiful workbook, kind of nice for the kids, kind of almost yeah. like souvenir the kids could keep. Um, sent it from Gilder Learman. They provided me everything that I needed. And what we did is we went through the program. My students completed the project, and then we gave them feedback. This is what we enjoyed about it. This is what maybe gotcha. could use some work just for them to kind of work out in the kinks. And what was the perk about that? And here comes COVID again hitting us. Um, <laughs> kind of destroyed this part of it. But one of the parts of the program is they do a competition, and the students are allowed to submit um, one of their submissions or whatever one we feel is the best program because the kids are writing poems, songs, monologues, doing dance performances, right. musical performances here. And we would submit that and they would actually pick winners to come to New York and to actually see Hamilton and perform their piece on the Hamilton stage. Wow. Well, we didn't get to do that part of it, but we were actually chosen before COVID hit. They are... Part of the Hamilton Ed program is pulling students in that have participated in the actual project itself. They get to go see Hamilton in one of the touring casts. So we were going to Atlanta last year. I was taking 90 kids to Atlanta to see Hamilton and actually got it fully funded through, um, uh, not GoFundMe, what Donors is Choose. Donors Choose, that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> donors Choose. They were, it was like $8,000. I was going to say, that's a lot for Donors Choose. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they funded, actually Disney funded the project for us. And we were taking a bus of 90 kids to see Hamilton, and it was fully paid for. The kids had to pay $10. And people were paying thousands of dollars to see this show. Yes. And we didn't get to go. But um, Donors Choose did allow me to buy technology for my classroom since we didn't get to go. Yeah, so I bought iPads with you know for my classroom for my they students. Can do their to projects, use. Exactly. They can do their projects. Exactly. So is is that uh, those materials are those available for other teachers now? If they, they are want now to to incorporate that in because that seems like that's a great way to to grab student interest in history in American history. Oh, absolutely, because it's, it's so comprehensive what they have on there. And uh, actually, they just started this fall. They actually opened it up for e-learning during the spring. They started pulling, you know, of course, allowing um, parents and students to join it through that and doing it at home, uh, but it is open up nationally now. Fantastic. I think uh, maybe we can include that link uh, in our show notes. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, a good Good thing to do. I know a lot of, I know a lot of teachers that would be interested in that and students. Oh, yeah. You know, like you said, it just makes it relevant for them. So that sort of brings us to our uh, segment about what you think is next in ed. If Hamilton, the type of education uh, through music and projects, how do you see social studies being taught or being brought back in more exciting way to school? I think Hamilton's a good start. It really. I've been. I've used Hamilton for the past five years in my classroom. Oh, wow. um, a couple of years ago, when I went to uh, the Monticello Teacher Institute, I had to write a lesson plan, and that's actually what I did. I did um, a lesson plan on Hamilton and about the first cabinet. And for my music kids, it, it, it's something that they can connect with. It is in language that they can understand, and that's the one thing that's really. They were like, I feel like we understand it so much better than just reading. The primary sources are great, and trust me, those are getting heavily read in my classroom. But it's like, it's in words that they can understand. And another thing about it, too, that really kind of draws my students in is that 
when my kids look at that screen and they watch Hamilton and they see it, they're seeing themselves. Because that's one thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda did is make sure that he included people. Basically, it's what America looks like well, it's today. What it, it's right. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, it does feel a little bit more inclusive for my students. Um, and that's been a hard thing in history classes is bringing, you know, my students that don't find themselves in American history, they're starting to find themselves in it now. And I think that that's a, bu- a big push in social studies, too, is making sure that inclusion factor, um, not looking at history. Sadly, it's been very whitewashed for a very long time. Through one lens. It's, it mm-hmm. has been through very one deep, dark lens, and we're, we're starting to break away from that, and we're starting to see less pushback from that. Mm-hmm. I um, think that's definitely some vision. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. love that. For what's next in Ed, and making it relevant and, and inclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. Exciting. If I'd had a social studies teacher like you, I might not be teaching science. That makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because I, I have to admit that you know um, some of my social studies teachers were coaches. Maybe it was just the gig they had. Dr. Gadsden said it, not me. They um, <laughs> weren't necessarily as excited about it. And that's true. It, and, and that's true. It was a lot of dates and names to remember yeah. and not a lot of hands-on stuff. Right, and yeah. Reading all those primary sources is great, but you're having your students do something with them. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Those are some great ideas. So I think um, if if we keep on that trajectory, I think maybe the, the future for, for social right. studies is, is and, looking good. And who knows who you will inspire yourself, your co-teachers, mm-hmm. students, just like you were inspired, that they might be inspired now to come back and teach social studies because of you. I have one one of my students in particular that she's actually finishing up her uh, senior year at Auburn, and she went into social studies, and I couldn't be more proud of her. And I was fortunate that I had her three different times. And that's what's kind of fun in social studies is that we get to teach. You know, I'm not just teaching history. I'm teaching multiple different subjects, and I get to have students repeat. You know, there are several students that I had three or four different times. Right, that's great. the, The subjects that I teach, and I'm so proud of her that she decided to go into social studies education because... There's a lot of kids that don't want to go into education. They see how hard it is for teachers right now. And this generation of, you know, my, my little sister's a first-year educator this year. Um, she's she is 30, She's 34, but she's an art major, went to South, got her art degree, and now she's teaching art. And, I, of course, she's a little bit older, but this for, this generation of students that are going into education right now, it's a tough field to go into. Mm-hmm. I mean, veg, veteran educators are, you know, having a tough time right now. I'm seeing, I mean, people retire because they're they're tired they they don't it's a lot of changes right now a lot of changes a lot yeah um so it, it makes me happy to know that kids are wanting to go into education because we need good educators well you're inspirational thank Absolutely. you and we thank you so much for for coming to the yeah, studio taking tonight. the time to come in and talk about I love this uh, good good it is it. fun isn't it it is <laughs> well Thank you for those of you listening, and be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore what's What's next next in Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. 
Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.